Galatians 5, 13-26 You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. I say be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you aren't under the law. These actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious, since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use and casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. I warn you as I have already warned you that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry, or be jealous of each other. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth teemed with life in every shape and color. To govern it, tend it, and continue to form it, God made humans, uh, miniature reflections of God's creative powers and self-giving generosity. All was very good. And then the virus appeared. Uh, the precise point of origin of this virus remains a bit of a mystery. Uh, what is clear is that while most viruses spread from animal to human, in this case it was humans that the virus took hold of first, before spreading to everything else. Its effects on people uh, were very comprehensive, disrupting every bodily operation, even the mind, soul, and emotions, every system went haywire. Uh, for reference, picture something less like COVID and more akin to your average zombie apocalypse. I instead of reflecting God's images designed, human beings became bent over, violent, distorted, and destructive. Uh, this original virus was eventually given the name sin. Uh, co contrary to common religious talk, sin isn't merely breaking rules or behaving like a bad boy or girl. It's a deadly infection, an inward rot that steals life and beauty from everything it touches. Uh, the existence of this virus is a theological truth you don't have to take on faith. All you really have to do is take a good look in the mirror. A person starts attending church who seems to have it all. Good looks, great job, attractive spouse, star athlete kid, even a nice car. And even though you've barely spoken to her yet, you already hate her a little.
that you got laid off of work last month. Now you find yourself constantly snapping at your wife and kids. You know objectively they're they're the best thing you have going in your life. But still, each day you wake up filled with this fury you don't know how to control or contain. You get together with some friends and you drink a little more than you intended. And the next thing you know, you're posting snarky memes online and telling each other what you really think of those other awful Christians over there who are making Jesus look bad. You're trying to work on your relationship, but it's midnight on Friday night and you're alone and feeling bad. And suddenly all you can think about is your laptop in the other room and that website that will make things hurt less for a while. Does any of this sound familiar? Congratulations, you've got the virus. In Galatians 5, 19 to 21, Paul provides a list of symptoms. Sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good. Idolatry, drug use, and casting spells. Hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper. Competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. It's not a comprehensive list, clearly, but you can at least get a feel for some of the common visible symptoms. Uh, Let's begin with the bad news here first. Uh, This particular virus has a 100% mortality rate. Fast or slow, dramatically or subtly, it steals the life from everything it infects. It disconnects us from ourselves. It destroys communities and relationships. It poisons rivers and steals the oxygen from oceans. Paul warns that people exhibiting symptoms won't inherit God's future kingdom. Why not? Not because God is mean or cruel, but because God's future kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, wouldn't be a good or safe place at all if we all brought in the disease that has already ravaged earth. Clearly, something has to be done to stop this infection before everything that's good in the world has been consumed. But what's the solution? Well, the answer, according to some in Galatia, is a solid set of laws. Uh, You figure out how an uninfected person would behave, and then you make some laws requiring people with the virus to behave like that. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Worship only one God. Honor your father and mother. 602 other laws, just to make sure you're really being safe. The trouble is, no matter how many specific laws you pass, virus-infected people find a way to avoid the spirit of the thing. Uh, The law says, don't hit your brother, and someone gives a quick kick under the table. Uh, Sometimes you also encounter a situation the law just doesn't cover. Uh, Some people might even intend to behave, but then one day they're tired and their self-control slips and that's all it takes. The infection claims more lives. 
It begins to seem likely that God's future kingdom of health and wholeness and safety will have no occupants. But Paul announces to the Galatians that there is huge great news. It turns out that there is one human being out there who hasn't caught the deadly infection. His name is Jesus, God's son. He says he's a doctor and that God has sent him to the sick. The only thing that's required to receive his aid is willingness to admit you're infected. And Jesus himself lives a life undistorted by the virus. For the first time, we get to see what human health looks like. And then Jesus does something that every parent of a sick child wishes they could do. He trades places with us. He suffers our virus-induced death. And he opens up God's new kingdom files and swaps our medical records with his own. This means that when we show up at the kingdom's gates, there will be no record at all that we were ever infected. Only Jesus' clean bill of health will be visible in our file. I mean, this is good news as far as admission to God's kingdom goes. Uh, But you might have noticed there's still a problem. There are an awful lot of people suffering the virus's effects right now. Uh, Swapping heavenly medical records doesn't actually make our present situation better. And if a bunch of people stream into God's new kingdom, still actively infected... The future isn't likely to be much better than the present, no matter what those records say. As long as the virus remains in our bloodstream, as Paul vividly puts it, we will still be a bit like zombies, biting and devouring each other, and an active danger of being eaten by each other. He really says this, basically. Look at verse 15. Uh, But the really good news is that Jesus has done more than show us what health looks like and swap our medical records. Jesus fills all those who come to him for healing with his Holy Spirit. Uh, The Spirit is like an antivirus pulled from God's own veins. Uh, By the Spirit, we are being injected with God's uninfected self. Rules and laws might have put a leash on zombies for a while and minimized the damage. But rules aren't strong enough to actually touch what ails us. Left alone, the virus has its way with all of us. But God's Holy Spirit thoroughly outmatches it and has the power to cure us from the inside out. Once this spirit, this antivirus, enters our blood, the effects of the virus start to fade. The sin virus that left us hunched over, distorted, and destructive. But the spirit begins to straighten us out and reform the image of God in us. Jesus is what that image of God looks like. The fruit of the Spirit, as Paul calls it, is a description of Jesus' character. And this is what we begin to look like when the virus is undone. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the markers of a virus-free human. This is what the cure looks like. This all leaves us with just one question. What is our role in the process of healing? Well, first, we have to attend to our symptoms and acknowledge that we're sick. Jesus is a doctor, but he doesn't heal by force. He waits for us to come to him and submit ourselves to treatment. It's tempting to minimize, to say, oh, I might have the virus, but in my case, it isn't that bad. It certainly isn't as bad as the case those people over there have. But what we're missing is the insidious nature of this virus. It doesn't have to be highly visible to be deadly. Wherever it's left untreated, it steals life and poisons relationships. Sometimes we've gotten so used to the presence of sickness, we don't even realize how different it would actually feel to be well. But there is more than this. There's more life and love and freedom than we've experienced yet, if we're willing to submit to the healing. Second tip, don't try to be your own doctor. Have we learned nothing from all those disastrous experiences with WebMD? We all know better, but still, we try to fix ourselves by using the laws, setting the rules, by sheer force of will, by scolding or shaming ourselves. But this doesn't work, ever. This is a professional job. The fruit of the Spirit is not a to-do list or the ingredients to some magic potion that will let you perform your own cure. You submit to the Spirit, you spend time with Jesus, and they do the work of healing from the inside out. The list of fruit is simply to tell you what healing looks like, so when it starts to happen, you'll recognize the signs. And third, healing isn't passive. It does require cooperation. Part of cooperation is to stop resisting when the Spirit works. As the healing begins to take work, the Spirit is going to call your attention to places the virus is fighting to take ground back that Jesus claimed. When the Spirit is driving the virus out, it's your job not to let it back in. When the Spirit gives you a nudge, don't go there or step gently. Pay attention. Remember when you start to feel temptation that the Spirit is fighting to secure your life and freedom not to take them away. And Paul also offers another tip on how to cooperate with the Spirit as this process of healing goes on. He says in verse 13, use your freedom to make yourselves slaves to each other through love. This was scandalous advice in Paul's day. The fastest way to cooperate with this cure, Paul says, is to make ourselves slaves to each other in love. To always be asking ourselves what others need, what we can do to lift them up. Acting in this way, we are enacting the core of Jesus' character. The antivirus finds space to take hold, and the infection starts to fade. The one who began this work in us will continue it, 
until the cure has worked its way through the entire system. Until we become what we were first designed to be, healthy, free, and whole citizens of a new kingdom where the only law needed is love. Let's pray together. God, we're living in a moment where we are conscious every day with how much damage a virus can do. Just a a small, invisible thing gets into us and and can wreak havoc on, on our bodies, on our communities, on the whole world and the lives that all of us lead and love. But we confess we often have not been as conscious of this other virus already raging that is destroying and wreaking havoc on bodies, but not just bodies, on minds, emotions, families, communities, on the entire world. We thank you that in in Jesus, in the gift of Jesus, you have given the world a cure to that original deadly infection that you have offered us a way toward healing and wholeness and belonging that is big and and comprehensive and complete. We pray that your spirit would be doing that healing work in us even now and that you would show us what it means to cooperate with you, not to be our own doctors, but to open ourselves to your healing nudges to your transforming work so that we begin to be people ready to live in the new kingdom you're bringing of health and wholeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.